Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm caught in the positive feedback loop of blessing. Barry's here to assess the condition of my palms and talk about generosity in the Torah. (laughs) But before we're commanded to party, now that they've harvested the grain along the edges of their fields and stripped every last bunch of grapes from their vines, let's celebrate in gratitude and welcome in our favorite co-host, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. day. Here we are. Wow. Here we are. We were just talking like as this show was getting started and the volume yeah, level normal volume. of Tyler Bender, when he hits record, it's when, that light, when those lights come on, it's, when those lights come on, I know what to do. It's jarring. <laughs> Showtime. <laughs> yeah. Marin's just like bug eye me <laughs> <laughs> from over there. Guys. Yo. What's new? Uh, so. Barry, you were not here last week. I wasn't. You were on, I was on vacay. Staycay. It was a bit of a staycay. Yeah. It was and, kind uh, of lame as far as staycations go. What? Because work kept pinging, like things I couldn't <laughs> How just dare you? ignore kept coming up. And so anyway, it's I fine. thought it was lame because like me and Jed helped you kick it off with that bonfire at your no, house. No, that was not lame. That was a blast. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. We had like You guys 40- had a bonfire. Yeah, Wait, you were. Did we talk about this? We we touched on it last week. You had like a little bit of FOMO, but I reminded you that you had had a you different would, party. That you, you made were your at choice. Oh yeah, you made your choice. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It was. We had like three hundred people's dogs yes, come over. And it was were, just a big dog parade. It was awesome. Oh, my. It was a blast. <laughs> um. So yeah, I wasn't here because I was off. I, I was just doing stuff around the farm. But the best highlight of my week is that we added a new member to our family. Her name is Puddles. And she's a baby 10-week-old potbelly pig. Split hooves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you guys haven't met her yet. I oh. saw her. Did you? Wait. Not in person. Yeah, I came over. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got to see her. You got to see you her. You got to see Puddles. She's like, yeah. Marin, you want to join our board game? Uh, uh, did, did If there was any other way for me to see Puddles, <laughs> board game I would club. do that. There's got to be a way. <laughs> Tyler, were you shocked at how small she was? Uh, not only with that, like she was, she was like the size of, she's smaller than your dog. Yeah, way smaller. But what are we talking? What are we talking? Like we're here? talking. I don't know. What's this? I don't yes. know. Like two loaves seven, of bread. Seven pounds. No, well, that's the thing. She looks like she'd be seven pounds. She's probably like twenty five. That uh, looks 30. like a toy piano, an octave and a half. That's about like that, that. is not going to translate to most people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she was super small, but also very skittish. She's real skittish. skittish pig. Yeah, she's not a fan of people. And it's been, I, I've been working very hard every day to try to build some trust. Mm. Um, Cause she just runs away from people. Do and- you know, like how she was rescued? Do you get the, the, the backstory behind each pig? There was a, <laughs> yes, yes we do. And there was a, I guess some guy in Terre Haute that like got found out that there was, it was called like, they call it a hoarding case where he had just mm. like piles upon piles of animals just in squalid conditions. And so there were like three or four either pregnant sows or, or three or four litters already that all needed to be rescued. And so there are a ton of little babies over at Oinking Acres walking around everywhere. And so, yeah, that, yeah, you want one? I've heard that pot belly pigs make good house pets. There's a, a pig no, there. Baron, no, look, don't there's, do it. There's a little piglet there. I got plenty of bad news for only, you. Only like six weeks or something and, and somehow was separated from her mother. What was that noise? What was that? Keep moving on. <laughs> and anyway, and, and because they have to do a lot more like hand feeding and stuff, cause she's so small, they're, tra- they're raising her to be an indoor pig. Yeah. So she's, she's like six weeks old and she's already, her name's Olive. She's already potty trained, like litter box trained. Oh, so man. I'm just saying, I what know. do you want, Marin? You can't have indigenous plants and pigs. <laughs> sure you can. <laughs> Um, actually Christmas is fast approaching and that would like blow Jaden's whole mind. A pig? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, Shut up. I think that's a great no, next step for no, you guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> Only because I've heard of how, well, not just heard when I was at Oinking Acres, I could see for myself how smart they are. Yeah. They're very smart. How yeah. They, they make excellent house pets. Yeah. Where would you put a pig? A, a pot belly pig? Like how, how, how the big pig's how we, gonna get as big as big your other talking? pigs, right? Well, they're they're pretty. I mean, they're probably like a hundred pounds, maybe. They're Ma- heavy, but they're only the size. Pounds. They're hundred pounds, but they're the size of a fifty-pound dog. Maggie, like, like sure, sure, yeah. they're Maggie-sized. But yeah, all right, yeah. Please do then, <laughs> by all means. I think it would be it'd be worth a conversation with Olivia from Oinking Acres to find out what would that actually. Oh look man. Like. <laughs> 
Yeah, please. Uh, so, all right. So I've been trying to get her to like people more. Cause she's very, she runs away. She's super scared. And so I, the, in the mornings when I go out to feed them, I'll sit down in her pen and she's usually like, Oh, like, Oh, don't get me. But then when she realizes I have food, she'll come up and I'll let her eat out of my hand. And mm. it's just the cutest thing you've ever seen <laughs> in your entire life. Yeah. And then she, even the other day actually started letting me pet her. She, at first she would flinch and then she's like, fine, I just want the food. Just so she's eating yeah. and I'm able to pet her. So we're but getting the other there. pigs don't like her. The pigs don't like her. Uh, and it's part of it's just normal. They get they just put everybody in their place and you got to figure feeling out aggressive. Exactly. And so like beans are alpha male, like teenage boy <laughs> is like harassing everybody. Remind him that his name's beans. He I will be an alpha <laughs> no. male if his name is beans. And your brother's cornbread and he's your, your sidekick. <laughs> yeah, you cannot anyway, do it. So they're like they're just bullying her. I don't there's no other word for it. They're bullying her. And so that combined with the fact that she is just naturally skittish. Liv and I have been talking about adopting another one <laughs> to, to have another sense. baby, a boy that we've already met who's very friendly and like loves belly rubs and thought if we could have the two of them together and like one of the, their ways of getting through the winter is cuddling together yeah. and sharing their body heat. Yeah. But if they keep chasing her That's away how from I get the, nest, the winter too, I know if <laughs> cuddling with, with pigs or yeah. 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 Just, yeah. So we thought, well, maybe she could have a cuddle buddy anyway. So long is story that how short that works. Like, Will they, are they like guaranteed to be cuddle buddies? We, no, they're not. We thought that she could be Maggie's cuddle buddy, one of our, but Maggie is just an absolute jerk. and <laughs> did not take to her at all. So, but I feel like two babies, the same size, probably cousins from the same hoarding case. They're probably cousins or half, half siblings. Uh, they, maybe they'd have a better chance mm. of being, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Anyway, that's what's new in our world. Well, that's We're doing great. A lot of uh, very cute. And you guys have a lot of room now. The horses are gone. The horses moved up the street so finally. Yeah. The horses are gone. I went over there and it's like, you got room for probably like 30 more pigs. <laughs> room in our, in our, on Barn. our land, not in our hearts, time and hearts. <laughs> yeah, <in our> hearts. <laughs> we don't have room in our schedules yeah. for that. So yeah. anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's just, it's kind of a fun new twist to have a little, a little baby. It's really cute. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And we're actually doing a favor to Wonking Acres because they're, looking down the barrel of a dozen baby pigs that in less than a year are going to be full grown, you know, or large pigs wow. eating them out of house and home. And they already have what? A hundred and yeah, they had like 74 or something. When like I was 120 there last year. now or something. Wow. So it's, we were like, yeah, we'll help you out with that. So anyway, what's new with you guys? Wow. Marin, what's new with you? You're in Christmas mode. I am. It's Christmas season. It's Christmas time. Christmas mode. Yes. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> okay. Tell your face. Moving on. What's Tell new your with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. It's good. I was up super late last night uh recording vocals and getting stuff ready for so what does that mean? the weeks ahead. I know what I know what it means, but you know what it means. For the friends of the pod. Oh. Why are you recording vocals? Yeah. Are you recording a new audio cassette? Cassette tape. Album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. CD. It's gonna what be are you on doing? Shelves near you. <laughs> No, I, I guess I've never really talked about this on the podcast before. One yeah. of the ways I support, um, so if if you serve on the worship team, if you play guitar, you get to hear the MP3, you know how the guitar part goes. Ahead of time. Ahead of time, yeah. You get yeah. to practice with that guitar part and because learn you buy, that part. you purchase or you record. MP3s. MP3s of that part. Of the, I'm just saying like, if I'm, if I'm a guitar player and I want to yeah. learn how to play glorious day. Like the guitar is very obvious and it's something you can hear and pick out the parts and learn. Yeah. Sometimes with vocal parts, they're either less obvious or they don't exist at all. If it's mm-hmm. a song with only two vocals, but we want three part harmony. Yeah. I either need to expect my people to pull harmonies out of thin air or I can support them yeah. well by recording parts for them so that yeah. they can also have the privilege of being able to practice along with something throughout the week. So we mm-hmm. do that for every weekend service. I record um, soprano, alto, tenor parts so that people learn their parts. And then they come to Wednesday mm-hmm. night's rehearsal knowing exactly what they are supposed to sing and they feel more confident yeah. and it's just a good experience. And the harmonies sound amazing. Yeah. When, when it all clicks into place, you're like, holy cow, what yeah. a great full sound. Yeah. So... I don't know if people, most people would know this, but if you come to a service and you see like people messing with their ears on stage, they're like <laughs> pulling stuff in of their, out of their ears or like putting these little like, they're like earbuds, earbuds into yeah. their ears. Some people may be like, what are they listening to? <laughs> and, um, what they're listening to is 
the rest of the band, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And, and each other. And each other. Yep. For pitch and so, reference and all that stuff. Like there, back in the day, you used to have floor wedge monitors. We don't have floor wedge monitors anymore. We have in-ear. Don't act like you're a big show. In-ear <laughs> monitor systems. Yeah. That's what that is. So, is, so am everyone I right, can hear each other. Am I right in this? I, I heard this once. Is it true that sometimes if they're feeling particularly nervous about their parts, they can actually have your recording? Yep in their ears as well. So yes. they're able to stick to their part. That's brilliant. I love that. It's Thank like a great you. way to support new mm-hmm. vocalists as they get comfortable. Yeah. And- it went, if, if you're standing on that stage and there's this giant amphitheater around you and you yeah. start to get nervous or whatever, sometimes what can happen is you can lose your part. Wait a minute. Is that my part? Am I singing the right part? So I have that as a feature that is available to all my vocalists. Some of them use it. Some of them don't use it, mm-hmm. but they can, turn my voice up in their ear, like the pre-recorded practice voice or whatever, um, for reference, for pitch reference or, or for whatever. Some of them use it, some of them don't, but it's just a feature that's there if they want it. I just kept trying to think of all the different ways that I could support my band, my vocalists, mm-hmm. some who have been professionals for years and some who are just getting started. Sure. So we're, we're all over the map in terms of experience. Now, you don't always do it this early before a weekend, Christmas Eve is Correct. special there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I record the vocals for every weekend, but we've, we have a desire for at least a 50 person choir for Christmas Eve Ooh, this year. God rules. So I've been knocking on <laughs> doors. Rules. I've been sending emails and friend of the pod, consider this your invitation Whoa. to the Christmas Eve choir. I, so you said at least. At least. Could we have a hundred? Come one. Come all. All right. I want a big old choir. Yeah. I don't want to give away too much about the service, but the songs that we have chosen. Oh my goodness. When I get excited about Christmas, I can get overwhelmed because Christmas is obviously a huge mountain to climb and a ton of work. But when I'm sitting in the music, oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm blown away. I think it's so excited. I think it's going to be a really special Christmas Eve service. I just very cool. I mean, last year was awesome with the whole doing it in yeah. the round. It's like, I, if it's any indication, I was singing for five hours yesterday, recording vocal practice tracks mm-hmm. for soprano, alto, tenor. Um, I did not record the bass parts, basses. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but at one point, I think, I think it was for our arrangement of silent night. I finished my, my, my bit and Dave Fackler turned around and he had tears in his eyes. Oh my. Wow. And it's not because of me. It's because this arrangement is so breathtakingly beautiful. Wow. Uh, your mother has heard it, Barry. Oh. And she told Dave that she wept when she heard oh it. Oh my goodness. So guys, it's going to be so good. I'm so, so, so excited cool. about that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But it's a lot well, no of No pressure. Work. I hope my sermon doesn't, doesn't completely bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, glad that's over. Um, I was going to say- if you forget your part, you could turn up Marin's voice or you could do what I do, which is like, just throw your hands up, close your eyes and step away from the microphone. <laughs> if you ever see me do that, that means I've, I've I don't know where lost. I am. I don't know. I don't know where I am. In the so, is that you just and like, then I step up to the microphone yeah, yeah, as you your safety yeah, net. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So guys, the day has come. The day the greatest of days has come to my house. The and greatest of it days. Is Milo and I started reading The Hobbit. <gasps> Believe God. <laughs> that is the greatest that, of days. We oh, started my reading word. The Hobbit. That's oh. so cool. Wow. He's five. Yeah. I've waited for this day since he was born. Why? Because I wanted The to, Hobbit. <laughs> I, okay. Well, all right. Did, is this something your dad did with you? No, no, no. no. No, My no, dad no. has no idea what The Hobbit even is. Okay. Jaden read The Hobbit, but he yeah. was in like middle school. I know. I'm right. learning. Milo it's is probably, five. It's probably a little premature. <laughs> yeah. Um, the book is okay. Like the, we got, we got a version with pictures. Okay. That's good. So yeah. But he asks to read it. Oh. He's like, dad, can we read The Hobbit? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, not because I love The Hobbit. I don't necessarily love The Hobbit, but I love what comes after The Hobbit just in life. It's like. As soon as I read The Hobbit, it was like my world was open to elves, <laughs> <laughs> especially elves. 
But like, what happens in life after the Hobbit? It's because like, I feel like I have not lived. I, I think I, I know what you're saying. It's like my imagination Fantasy. runs wild. Fantasy books, games, uh, Lord of the Rings, games, video games, all kinds of Star Wars, like all that stuff yeah. came after I read The Hobbit. It's a gateway me. book. It's a gateway yeah. book. Um, so anyways, we started reading that and I was like, he's kind of having a little trouble you like picturing what I'm saying when I'm reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll, he'll be like, dad, what's happening? I'm like, well, here's what's happening. Gandalf came and the dwarves, whatever. Um, so I'm like, all right, we, I need to do a little bit better telling him, like showing him what this looks like. Sure. And so I was like, I will show him part of the movie. No. Oh no. No. That, just the part that we've read. Uh huh. Oh no. And now he wants to watch the whole movie, right? Well, no, he's, he's not he's, ready. No, he's doing the patient thing of like, all right, we'll stop here. Cause we haven't gotten to the part where El, they go to Elrond's oh my goodness. Rivendell. Um, but the problem is the movie has stuff in it that the book does not. Mm. Uh, there was a mo- <laughs> there was a moment where uh, Legolas shows up. No, like we're we're uh, <laughs> Thor and Oakenshield is like holding or or like a, a orc is like holding the head of a dwarf king and he like cut it off. Oh, like cut off the head of a dwarf king and Milo's like, what is that? I'm like. It's a, it's a, it wait a minute, you're not like screening these before you show your five year old. No, because that's not in the book. I read the book and I'm like, all right, we'll this just is show the fine. This is yeah. tame. Yeah. And th- that's not in the book. And so this part comes and it's like Thor and Oakenshield fought bravely. And, but the orc killed his grandfather. And it's like the orc holding up his grandfather's wow. dwarf head. And Milo's like, I see that. I'm like, <laughs> Lauren's like, did he see it actually get cut? I'm like, no, it was, <laughs> it was implied. <laughs> uh, so it's mixed reviews, probably too, way too early. You know what you need to do? I mean, you could finish The Hobbit, but you got to do like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We've done that. Oh, you have? Yeah, which I didn't read that book until uh-huh. later in my life, but I think that the nostalgia of like reading Hobbit. Yeah. Mm. And I, I was in like- There fit. is a cartoon version of The Hobbit. So we started watching- our childhood. We, well, 1977. Oh, somebody else's childhood. <laughs> yes. Uh, we started, I was like, okay, the movie's too much. So I, on YouTube, they have that version. Yeah. And that is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever, don't ever Jed watch grew that. up watching that version. Oh, yeah. it's like terrible. He can like quote it. Yeah. He likes the songs. There's a lot of songs in it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's what's new in my house. So- um, <laughs> Lane, who's two, who has no idea, yeah, gets in on it, and he's like, "I'm Gandalf," <laughs> and like <laughs> for a two-year-old, I don't know that it it doesn't it it, it it's like Ninja. We were in Ninja Turtle world yeah. like three minutes ago, and now yeah. he's like, "I'm Gandalf," and he has no idea what that means. Now you're still in Ninja Turtle world because they were here Sunday. Yeah, both we're in of Ninja them Turtle world with their Ninja Turtle toys. Yeah, and that's a language I can speak at yeah. least partially. Yeah. I, I really don't I speak Lord of the Rings very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a new day, and uh, tears came to my eyes when Milo was like, wow. Dad, can we watch Hobbit or read Hobbit? So I've never read The Hobbit, and now I feel like I, maybe that's why. It's, like, I'm, it's don't fine. read it. Don't I, wasn't, read it. I, wasn't, I wasn't like, <laughs> it's not as good as Lord of the Rings. My mind no. was never opened to the fantasy yeah. world. That doesn't come from bread and jam for Francis. You shall not pass. Hey, uh, there it is. That's Madeline. Gandalf. No, 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 no. Don't Did don't I read, read it. the wrong books when I was well, five? Well, yes. The nostalgia of it. It's for when you're middle schooler. That's yeah. when this is supposed to happen. I read Hobbit in fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there was a picture version of it. And I was like, okay, yeah, we can do this. Mm. But it's probably way too early. Anyways. I remember watching the Hobbit movie from the 70s and being terrified and not even making it through the entire movie. Wow. That's what I remember. The cartoon? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Anyways, that's what's new in my house. Um, we will not be doing a show most likely next week because it's Thanksgiving. Oh, right. So oh, right. it's for our annual, podcast. what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving there you conversation? Go. What are you guys doing? Here it is. Pumpkin meringue. Uh, well, I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to North Carolina to visit my sisters for Thanksgiving. That is the plan. I don't know when we're driving down there, but we are driving down there at the some point. The whole family. Me, Jed, the kids, we're all going down to see my Any, sisters. Any uh, boyfriends, girlfriends come in? No. So you haven't crossed that line yet? No. Okay. No. Although. Uh-oh. Uh, this is going to open a whole other can of worms. I just became Facebook friends 
with my daughter's boyfriend's mom. Wow. Big yesterday. step. Big step in yesterday. a new relationship. She, she was one of them folks that kind of kept coming up as like recommended. And I'm uh-huh. like, you know, I should just reach out, you know. So you thought be- that was the next best step after you took a 17 hour car trip with her? No, that's that's Jaden's girlfriend's mom. This oh. is Desi's boyfriend's oh, mom. Oh, oh, all right. So me and Keep Desi's up, Tyler. boyfriend's sorry, sorry. mom just became friends on Facebook. And I'm so glad I did because yesterday evening she posted like family pictures wow. that included my Desi. Oh, man. They, they got Desi's like in deep. professional. Fo- they've been dating for six months. Wow. Professional, like at Sears. Professional <laughs> family, beautiful fall <laughs> photos <laughs> featuring my child. Wow. In <laughs> their family. So how does that make you feel um, as I'm, a mom of a daughter dating someone for six months? I'm just real torn, you know, yeah. because on one hand, it's so cute that they love my daughter. Everyone should love my daughter. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. On the other hand, they've been dating for six months. Yeah. Seems hopefully, little, hopefully when they took those family much. photos, they had some, they're like, okay, and how about some without Desi? Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> there were, just in there case. were plenty without Desi. Okay. Yeah. All right. But anyway, that's, that's uh, Desi liked a comment I made on Instagram yesterday, <laughs> yes. and I thought about taking off work today because it was the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> She's very, very hard to yeah. impress. So whatever I said, you said, I think I saw her at church, and I was like, "Hey, Desi," and she goes, "What? Why did you look like? Why do you look like Bert from Mary Poppins?" I'm like. In her defense. <laughs> In her defense, she's a big fan of Bert from Mary Poppins. Yeah. It's when you wear that hat you're wearing right now. This is my winter you're hat. You're like a chimney sweep. This is my winter hat. When you wear your winter hat, you are <laughs> extra sweep. Extra, read all about it. <laughs> That's Tyler right now. Extreme. What are those even called? What kind of hat is that? What is it paper, called? Paper newspaper. boy. It's a paper newsboy boy hat? New, newsboy hat? Newsboys. <laughs> are we all thinking of our... Yeah. Evangelical upbringing. All right. All right. We are week two. No. What? Where are you guys going for Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Where are you guys going? Oh, right. <laughs> Where are you guys going for Thanksgiving? I'm just doing the normal thing. We're going to do one day with Liv's family, one day with my family, probably at my sister's new yeah. house that they are finally moving into. So there you go. Sweet. Nothing much to report oh, here. Oh, well, in. there will be a new baby in the picture because <gasps> Olivia's sister, Carly, is pregnant. And we'll, wow. We will have little, little Pagey, little Paige. Ready for passing around. Yay! We're very that's excited about that. Exciting. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, Brian Pratt, who's a staff member, is married to Carly. And so we've been getting the regular updates that's right. how she's mm-hmm. doing and everything. So that'll be that'll be any nice day now. Thanksgiving thing. Oh yeah. Uh we are doing the same thing we always do, which is go to my mother-in-law's house full of like 50 people and just party. And you make the turkey every year? I make one of the turkeys. Except yeah, I smoke a turkey every year. Didn't you catch your house on fire last time? Spatchcocking and Did smoking I? a turkey? No, wait. You had a big fire at your in your grill. Maybe that was this summer. Uh, Yeah, I've had that before, but not with a turkey. Okay. But every year, my mother-in-law will roast a turkey in mm-hmm. the oven. Like then, the traditional style, yeah. not and the way I, I smoke we do it. it. Okay. This year, she is telling everybody that she wants to smoke a turkey. Mm. Oh. And I'm like, that. get off my corner. <laughs> that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, what have, are we doing? Have you ever made a turkey and not smoked it? No. Okay. But she, so everybody, I, I, I think it's playful, <laughs> but everybody is like, Tyler, this is the best turkey I've ever had. And she's like, I just, slaved in this kitchen ah, making this turkey. That's right. And so I think this year she's like, it's on. It is. We'll see who's going to make the best. Frustrating how good you are at things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the. Settle down. Do the friends of the pod know that Tyler, like, did you win this year? This no. is the first year he didn't win. He didn't win. It was rigged. The last several years, Tyler has won our staff chili cook off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's just good at, it always involves smoke. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can't yeah. do anything else. I can't that's, do anything that's else. That's right. Suspicious. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Although, yeah, never mind. Well, if you, if she, if she's going to smoke one, yeah, I do have one. a recipe for you. I do a buttermilk brined turkey and then I cook it the way you do or like oh. we lay it flat. Spatchcock. And it's the juiciest turkey you'll ever have. But you do it in the oven. Yes. Okay. Yep. What kind of wood do you use when you smoke it? Uh, for turkeys, I usually use like cherry wood, maybe mm. pecan. Do you say pecan or pecan? Pecan. 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 <laughs> pecan. Pecan. Whoa. There's so many different yeah. ways to say it. But in the past I've done like 
uh, bourbon chocolate pies mm-hmm. or pecan On the pies. grill, yeah? Yeah, on the grill. Yeah. Same, yeah. We talked about this yeah. like five years ago on the pod. Yep. Wow. We're, as we head into season six <laughs> of the pod, we've <laughs> talked about that in the past. So, yeah, we won't do a show next week, but uh, two weeks from now we'll do one. Sure. Yeah, once we're back in full-on Christmas mode. <laughs> so, for now, we are in week two of our sermon series, Thanksgiving. And uh, Barry, you gave the message this past weekend. Yep. Um, Tim was in here last week, so that was week one. Mm-hmm. You caught us up on week two. And so for anybody who has not yet heard the sermon or just wants to revisit it, what was the big idea that you wanted people to take away? Yeah. So w- with Tim starting out the series, looking at Jesus and how he taught about generosity, I, I want, I wanted us to kind of start there as sort of the foundation. This is who we follow. This is what he had to say, but the whole idea for week two and kind of for the rest of the series is to set up the idea that Jesus was not speaking about money and generosity in a vacuum. He actually was continuing on a long tradition that goes all the way back to the very beginning. And so I felt it was really important for us to understand what, what did the actual law of Moses say, the Torah, what does it say about giving and generosity? What were the people of Israel required to do to understand that context so that when we come to Jesus, we realize this is where he was this is what he was building on. This is the vision that he was continuing, mm-hmm. not just coming up with on his yeah. own. So that was, that was important. So we spent, I spent a little bit of time in the message, just setting up what was the law and, and talking a bit about the big picture concept of, of the law of Moses being a way for the people of Israel to be set apart, to be different and to show the world that there's another way to live a way of trusting in God, a way of, of dependence on him and not on your own self-sufficiency, a way of justice, a way of life. And, and that's what the, that's what the Torah was all about. And when it came to generosity, the Torah, uh, basically invited the people of Israel to have a nation where they approached their things, their stuff, their harvests, their money with completely open palms, very, very generous, very open-handed, sharing freely and trusting that God would bless them. And I talked about, you, you mentioned it in the intro, this sort of, the, the promise was when you are generous, you will be blessed by God. Mm-hmm. When you live out these, these intentions of God, you'll be blessed, which means you'll receive abundance and peace and provision. All mm-hmm. that stuff will come back to you. And when it does, you'll have more to be generous with. And yeah. when you are more generous, you'll be more blessed. And it's this positive feedback loop of blessing. So that was sort of the promise that the Israelites would have. And then I, I talked a little bit about specifically what what were those regulations? Like, what was it that they were supposed to do? What were the rules? And so like three reasons that they were to give, which we could get into specifics yeah. if you want to, but th- like reason number one was to actually make sure that the people of God could worship and grow. Like if mm-hmm. God is going to live among the people of Israel in the temple, they need to maintain that relationship. And so a lot of their giving went to, and their generosity went to, um, making sure the Levites and the priests could do their work to represent God to the people and people to God. Uh, that was one big reason they gave. Another big reason they gave was to care for the vulnerable. Uh, I kind of talked about poverty being illegal in Israel, at least in the, in theory. And so they gave to make sure that widows, orphans, the foreigners, refugees were, were cared for and, and the vulnerable in their society were, had their needs met. And then they also gave to um, essentially worship God in gratitude. Like part of what they did with their tithe, uh, 10% of all of their produce every year was have a giant harvest festival together where they would remember what God had done for them, that they would Mm. celebrate in gratitude. And so all of those things together, every individual in Israel contributed a part of what they had to help the whole society fulfill that vision Mm -hmm. of, of showing the world that there's another way to live. Yeah. So that was, and then I, then I brought it to us and talked a little bit about how we might apply those ideas to our world. But yeah, essentially the big idea was, uh, what Jesus was teaching us about generosity, storing your treasures in heaven and not on earth. This came out of a rich background that goes all the way back to the Torah, the very beginning of the Bible. I love it when I'm like, Hey, what's the big idea? And Barry, it's just like, here's the sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and this is funny because dad always taught, I always think about this because dad taught how to do big idea teaching, which is really great. Cause it's like, here's the one idea I want you to mm-hmm. get across. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when it comes to messages like this, <laughs> yeah, that big idea is, it, it's kind of more like a couple of ideas because I'm trying to get to a broader concept. Yeah, so for sure. I don't know if it counts, but 
Anyway. So let's start where you said poverty is illegal in Israel. Yeah. yeah. I had never heard that. Had you heard that, Marin? Um, not like in that. illegal. Not in those terms. I knew about the provisions that were made in the law to provide yeah. for those who were poor and marginalized. I knew about the edges of the field. I knew that stuff, mm-hmm. but I had not heard it put quite that bluntly that it was yeah. essentially illegal in in that the law made so many provisions for there not to need to be a reason for poverty. Right. Yeah. I mean, even things like every seven years, all slaves, Israelite slaves are freed, all debts are canceled. I mean, that how it would be so much easier to get out of cycles of poverty if you had an, a release like that. That's why they call it the year of release. And every uh, every 50 years with the year of Jubilee, all land returned to its ancestral owners. So if through your own actions or through some something you lost the land because you had to sell it or whatever, you'd get it back or Behold your family would. he comes <laughs> riding on the clouds. Let's hear it. Gird like the sun. Um, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, I imagine that stopped happening because people are like just like throwing caution to the wind and it's like i'm gonna get this back in seven years anyways so let's just party (laughs) well yeah i mean it we don't even have he partied hard we don't have any indication that the year of jubilee or that even the the sabbath year actually even happened we've talked about that back in may um and and as we'll see this coming week basically there is no sense that the Israelites actually got this at all. Mm. Poverty, far from being illegal, was commonplace. And yeah. the prophets are constantly saying, like, guys, wake up. You're missing mm. the mm. entire point here. And and that's why you see injustice as such a a crucial component of so much so much of what the prophets had to say is because the Israelites did not. Yeah. Uh, I'll mention they kept bringing up this phrase of you keep adding house house to house in your like you keep adding more rooms to your house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You keep buying up more land and you're oppressing your workers and you're withholding their wages. Like literally like six different times it spells all that out. The different prophets are saying like you're doing all of this. It's not who you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So so I I like to think of myself as the common man. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, every every man, right? There he is. Uh, I like to ask questions that I imagine other people would be asking if sure. they were sitting here. So did Moses write the law? So, wow. The law of Moses. Well, like so when we say the law. He did not. So here, that the, the way says that the, poverty is illegal. Did Moses come down and say poverty is now illegal? The way that, that the scriptural, the scriptural story describes it and tells it is that Moses went up Mount Sinai, God gave him the law. And that was the law that became the law of Moses or the, Mm -hmm. the Torah. Okay. But if you were looking at the development of the actual Torah itself, what you see is a, a long tradition that is weaving together uh, some of the actual text of the law, specific regulations, along with stories of the people of Israel missing it or messing up. Uh, the whole book of Genesis is part of the Torah yeah. and it's considered part of the law. And so there's a tradition that Moses wrote every word. There's also traditions that say that that the the part that Moses wrote was incorporated in over many different generations. Yeah. And so there's different perspectives on it, but suffice it to say, the idea is that this is what God revealed to the Israelites when they were moving mm-hmm. from Egypt to the promised land. And this, yeah. this set of books, these five scrolls would be the foundation upon which the nation of Israel was built. Although I've, I'm, fairly convinced that it didn't reach the Torah did not reach its final form, the form that we see until many, many, many centuries later after the exile. But that's totally up for debate. And I could be wrong. I just have this picture in my mind of like Moses coming down from the mountain and being like, poverty is now illegal. And (laughs) somebody being like, yeah, but you're poor. No wonder. It's easy for you to say. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Easy for you to say. And by the way, poverty, no more. Like, all right. So well, that was good. Well, you joke, <laughs> but a lot of the regulations and the ideals set out in the Torah are based on the remembering the fact that you were once slaves in Egypt. Yeah. And mm. so a lot of the rationale that God is giving for these laws is to say, remember where you came yeah. from. And we're not going back to that, nor are you going to make other people go back to that. 
we're going to transform this world. That, yeah. So yeah, I get it. it, it <laughs> but I think it kind of is that it's like, mm. it is easy for you to say because we're nobodies. We're a no name yeah. nation from some random, the, some random ancestor who left the epicenter right. of humanity, left right. Babylon and is like out yeah. in the, the, mm. the Negev wilderness. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, Poverty is illegal and every day is my birthday. <laughs> yeah. I um, command okay. you to celebrate in gratitude. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So uh, you talked about it, but there's three reasons we're called to be generous as. Why the Israelites were called to be generous. Okay. Yes. Well, number one, to ensure the people of God can worship and grow. Yeah. Number two, to care for the vulnerable. To Number three, to celebrate in gratitude. And so um, I thought it was fascinating comparing um so what something that i thought would be interesting to do is during this series have hosts or pastors who are hosting come up and be like here's why i choose to be generous yeah. and like i've done that uh this past weekend cassie anderson did that i think we're gonna at least do it one more time mm -hmm. um this month but it's like it's interesting to compare why I or we choose to be generous in 2022 mm -hmm. versus why the Israelites were called to be generous. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think I would have gotten to the, these three places mm -hmm. to be able to ensure people of God can worship and grow to care for the vulnerable. But I don't, this puts language to it that I didn't necessarily have mm -hmm. when I'm like, why, why do I choose to be generous where I choose to be generous? Sure. Um, and there's probably other ways to slice and dice it and divide yeah. it up. That's just what struck me as I was thinking. And and what we'll see is like, I was trying to think of what are the categories of giving that are true throughout all of scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll see that each of these keep coming up. Yeah. And even when it came to what, like Paul was saying to the church, these same categories are there. Yeah. Mm. So, all right. If this was law. Yeah. Were people required to be generous? You have to be generous because you have to care for the vulnerable. Like, mm. was that? Well, it, these are, maybe law is probably, it is the wrong word for us to use mm -hmm. in, in our modern understanding of what law, because we think of law as like, well, there's a legal code, yeah. specific regulations and you don't break them or you go to jail or whatever. Yeah. I think it's probably this is more of a covenant agreement that God is making with the people. It's almost like a marriage covenant. Mm -hmm. So it's it, when you are getting married to someone and you're saying, I will be faithful to you. I will support you. I will honor you. I will protect you. Those are, those are not laws. They're not like regulations yeah. that you're like trying not to break. Or like, if you do, you got to pay a fine. It's like, no, those are the, those are the terms of the covenant that you're making together. Mm -hmm. And so this covenant that God is making with the people of Israel, with his chosen people, he's laying out, this is what it looks like to be faithful to me. Yeah. And so maybe law isn't the right word, but that, that terms of the covenant is a way of maybe looking at mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, the celebrate and gratitude part. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting because it's like the party was to remember God who provides it all. Like God provided the rain, you said. Right. Yeah. So now we get to harvest and we get to party and celebrate in gratitude. God right. Right. Who provides. And it says, it and all. this will teach you doing this will teach you to fear the Lord, your God. In other words, to, to respect and remember yeah. the Lord, your God. I feel like we should do that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I feel like I, do that. I don't have like, isn't that essentially what Thanksgiving is supposed to be? Yeah, probably. You know, like I was just talking with a friend about this, this I've talked about this friend on this podcast before, but she's, she's not a believer. And she was saying, you know, she would just rather just skip the whole Thanksgiving thing and go straight to Christmas. Like, so oh. she's already decorated her home and she wants Christmas in her life, but she's really not down with the idea of Thanksgiving because shouldn't we just be thankful every day? Shouldn't mm -hmm. we just be giving thanks every sure. day? And she's not wrong about the fact that we should be grateful every day. But I told her I brush my teeth every day, twice a day, but I still go to the dentist. Like I you like, do? I like having. That teaches her to fear the dentist. I like having <laughs> Sorry, intentional respect. time set, uh -huh. set yeah. aside to think about not just what I'm thankful for, mm -hmm. but who I am mm -hmm. grateful to, mm -hmm. you know? 
yeah, we should be practicing gratitude every single day. But at least for me, and that's been the tradition in my family for as long as I've been alive, Thanksgiving is to us a day of remembrance mm-hmm. and a day yeah. for us as a family to thank God. Sure. Yeah. The yeah. only difference or big, biggest difference is that we tend to do it with our families, sometimes with a couple of other people, mm-hmm. but this was a communal thing right. where, I mean, I mean, imagine if we were to do the same thing today, we'd have a huge potluck where everybody would come and bring what they had, but no one had to bring anything. If you didn't have the money to, to make a casserole, just come, you're going to eat. There's so much food here that let's all come together and just be, be grateful like that. That's something, there's a lot of tradition in churches of doing potluck dinners and things like that. We just, that's just not so much our tradition. I think it'd be cool to do it because I I mean. As long as you're cooking. We we put a title on everything. It's like fall fest or trunk or treat. There's always like a a theme. It's never like gratitude. Right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you called it a harvest party essentially in your message. Didn't you guys grow up with harvest parties? No. Well, the problem is we don't, our lives are not. We're having a resurrection party in here. Wow. Our lives, our lives rotate around like holidays. We don't, they don't rotate around springtime and harvest. Like, like we're not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're not agriculturally bound anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think we miss that because there is a, a component of we've worked so hard all year to raise these crops, to get these foods. And now we're going to eat them together mm-hmm. that we just don't, I don't mm-hmm. think we just don't have it. Yeah. Uh, here's something interesting. That law that talks about you must take 10%, take it to basically Jerusalem, take it to the temple and eat it there in the presence of the Lord. It says, but if you live so far away that bringing it, all that stuff to Jerusalem would be a huge burden to you, sell what you have, bring the money. And when you get to Jerusalem, you could buy stuff and it's like, and you could buy grain, you could buy uh, meat, you can buy wine or other strong drinks and then party. <laughs> so it's like, no matter what, even if you're selling your stuff, you're going to bring it, you're going to bring the money to Jerusalem and you're still contributing to this big harvest party. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's mm. interesting. That's cool. Mm. So you turned everybody's focus to how do you apply this? Yeah. World in front of the text. Sure. And uh, you had three takeaways. Yeah. That right? I, that I came to after I'm lots of thinking about. Yeah. Check your palms. We're called to be set apart. Are we set apart from clinging to things like greed and stinginess and self-absorption? Um, that was number one. Yeah. And that, are we talking about, are you trying to go through all three of them right now? Yeah. Really quickly? Or can I talk about that one? Yeah. T- <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> your plan is. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I think I was hoping that I would get across is that that's more about like the grand vision Mm-hmm. of the law. The idea that poverty is illegal, the idea of a community of gratitude, the idea of open palms. It's the same stuff that Jesus is talking about. Don't worry mm-hmm. about anything. Trust God, live with open hands, give, sell everything you have and give to the poor. The, the kinds of audacious things that he says, when you yeah. think of it in terms of this, it, it doesn't seem quite as audacious, even though it's still radically countercultural. It was yeah. back then and it is now. So check your palms for me is more like, okay, we see this vision of what it could be. Am I, you know, living out that vision or am I the the one that needs to be transformed? So what are my, what are my palms doing? Are they open? Are they closed? Yeah. Anyway. Number two, fight for margin. Mm -hmm. And you use the imagery of the margin of people's fields. They would leave the outside perimeter of their fields basically unharvested so that other people could have it. People without land could come and and harvest. That's in the Torah, in the law. And so there's, there were two parts of this, this one, it was like, leave margin, but if you're in a place where you can't, or you have to figure that out, here's what that means for you. So Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what that is. Yeah. So that that first thing about leaving margin is, is if you're going to fight for margin, for a lot of us, we live beyond our means. We, we use up every last bit of grain in our field and then we go and borrow grain from someone else's field. Like we, we live beyond what what we are able to, and therefore we have no margin left over to give to anybody, much less God or the poor or the church or anything. So for us to have margin means we have to not just not, you know, not borrow, but we need to like start fighting so that there's leftover even in what we make ourselves. Yeah. And so it's, it requires intentionality. It requires scaling back our lifestyle. But yeah, the other half of that was for some of us fighting for margin means getting help because Mm -hmm you're caught, you're stuck in spirals of uh, debt or unemployment or poverty or whatever. And I I just made it, it was, I was trying to make kind of like a heartfelt plea that like, this is why our care center is here. Mm -hmm. God has blessed us. He blessed our community. We literally, I mean, I didn't get into this in the message, but I mean, we have been 
God has, has just shine, shown his favor down on us and our care center. The partnerships that we have with like Kroger, mm. I mean, the yeah. RTV six toy drive every yeah. year, they give it to us to yeah. distribute these toys. Like we've got so much abundance that God has just blessed us with. So I was just saying, look, if you're in a place for that, you don't have margin because you can't have margin. Like let us come yeah. alongside you and help you. And and it's just, I just encourage people like, don't let pride stand in the way for, yeah. for mm-hmm. getting help so that you can then be someone who has the abundance to share with others. So yeah. yeah, fight for margin. And the third one was give to your church. Yeah. Why did you say that? Well, what it kind of boils down to for me is that all three of the reasons that the Israelites were commanded to give, uh, also apply to the church. I mean, when you give to the church or grace church, you're helping the people of God worship and grow. You're making it possible for like the three of us to do this podcast. We're yeah. able to preach. We're able to lead worship and create space for people to meet Jesus. We we spend, I mean, we spend hours and hours and hours talking about how we can better disciple our people, mm-hmm. disciple the children and the youth and the adults that are in our midst and how to reach people beyond the walls. Like you're helping the people of God be the people of God yeah. when you give to grace. Uh, second reason, caring for the vulnerable. I mean, there's the care center, but there's also our work for, with people with disabilities and widows and widowers and uh, single moms. And like you go on and on. We we are routinely and consistently involved in caring for yeah. people who are who are vulnerable. It's part of what we do. And yeah. then the third one, celebrating in gratitude. Again, we don't do a big harvest party. Maybe we should, but we do a lot of stuff that shows that just is like an overflow of our joy of our gratitude of our thankfulness for what God has done for us. It's why we have musicals. It's why we had llamas at fall fest. Like it, it we just, yeah. we want to be people who overflow mm-hmm. in our gratitude and we're never forgetting where all this came from in the first place. And so when you give to grace, you're also contributing to that. You're making those kinds of things possible. Yeah. So that's why I said give to your church. Cause I really yeah. think for us as a community to begin fulfilling this grand vision yeah. of a world transformed and, a, and of showing the world like a city on a hill, like the light of the world showing what's possible. I think what it boils down to is that we, we need to make sure that we are giving generously to support the work of yeah. making that vision visible. Yeah. All right. That's good. That's a good segue. And that pretty much answers my next question, which is, do you guys think that Christians should be more generous than non-Christians? 10,000%. Yes. <laughs> I think we should. Yes. Uh-huh. I have a hundred percent think that. Yeah. I think we, if, if we follow Jesus, we should be living with such generous, open-handed lifestyles that others look at us and think, what is wrong with them? Yeah. Like, what is so like, we should be, we should be so different from the self-absorbed consumeristic, like whatever the, the culture that we're in, we should be shining like mm-hmm. bright, beacons of hope in the middle of that. And generosity is a huge part of how. So yes, yeah. I think they, sh- I think we should personally. Do you think people need to be taught how to be generous or is that just like a conviction and I now know how to do it? I think, sorry, Marin, go ahead. You're about to speak. Were Was you? I? Were you? Oh, you, you sat up like you were about to. And I realized I've just been Surprise! talking. <laughs> no, no. I, when, when you finish saying what you said about feeling like Christians should be generous. I, I, I think the big idea of your message, and I think you said this at the very, very beginning when you were talking, when you talked about God's people being called to be a living embodiment of God's presence, justice, and abundance in this world, do I represent abundance in this world? Right. When my friends look at me, do they see me living in such a way that I am overflowing with God's goodness and God's abundance? And yeah, th- that's financial generosity, but it's also being there for them with my time, with nuggets of wisdom, with being a good friend. Like, am I, am I generous in other ways? Right. And can, is, can they even see that? Like, Mm. do they know that? Am I a reflection of God's abundance in this world? Sure. Anyway. What? Yeah. And, and as far as, do you need to be taught that? I think so. I think so. I think it's hard to know I mean, there's, you can be convicted, but like, practically speaking, how do you go about this? I'm so grateful because my parents growing up, not only did they instill in me the concept that you give a portion of what you earn to God. My very first Mm -hmm. job, dad was helping me figure out how to give 10% Mm -hmm. of that to the Mm -hmm. church because that's what I was taught to do. And 10% to savings. It was, it was Mm -hmm. a part of his Mm -hmm. way of teaching me how to, how to be a good steward of money. But I also witnessed them 
as they responded to the needs of other people and they would give money or they would say, we're not going to do X, Y, Z this year because we need to give a bit more money here or whatever. Mm. I got to see it like lived out. And so for me, it was, I got to see my parents do it and it helped in, in me, in my life. But I also think, yeah, there's, there's practical things. I don't think people realize that like how, maybe I can get into this a little bit later in the series, but even just the idea of giving off the top versus giving leftovers Mm. or giving both, giving both off the top and leaving leftovers like Mm -hmm. that. That's a, a, that takes some intentionality and it takes some work Mm. to even think through how you go about doing that. Yeah. Cause I wonder like, I wonder how many people, whether they're new to faith or not that they're sitting there and they're like, I want to be generous, but like, does that uh, giving, does that mean buying someone's coffee? Right. Does that, what, what does that mean? How do I, how can I do that consistently? And I wonder if they're looking to pastors or the church to like Mm. tell, teach them how to be generous. Right. Not just that they have, they should be, but then how to do that. Well, I grew up like Barry did where my parents were extremely generous. And I do mean extremely like they would, they would have very little money to their name and then they'd step out in faith and tithe anyway. And they would tell me like, we are sowing these seeds. We are living lives that show that we trust God for our provision. And then I would see that my parents were continually provided for. And sometimes in miraculous ways, sometimes in crazy miraculous ways, Mm -hmm. I definitely witnessed that growing up. So Barry, you said at the top of the message that generosity is the means by which we experience God's blessing. Yeah. It's true. I've, I've seen it true in my life and I've tried to teach that to my kids, but I also understand, like you said, that there's some baggage that goes with that. So I feel like a lot of us are still kind of trying to sort out Mm. where have I seen this misused, misrepresented and where have I seen it? You know, just a foundational truth of what it means to be right. in right. God's family. Right. That's a lot of what I'll be getting into in this next message, where I I I'll get a lot more into like what does it look like to actually give this a shot, and and how does that work? The blessing thing. Like I'll since we won't have the podcast, I'll give you a little sneak peek. I'll probably mention this in my message. I've told this story once before in a message, but like. I I've never been at a place of like financial need. I I've always had enough and I always mm-hmm. could go live in my parents' basement if I needed to like, what if I didn't <laughs> yeah, have any money? So yeah. I'd be fine. So I, I admit all that out of right out of the gate. You hear that Olivia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring it. We're bringing the pigs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did have a moment when I was younger, I was like, I don't know, mid twenties. And I was just living on my own for the first time. Yeah. And it, for me, I was in kind of like a, a exploration period of like, I wonder if I could give a little bit more. I wonder if what it would be like if I was generous. And at one point I heard about some need and I don't even remember what it was, but I felt like I was being called to give a portion of money to meet that need. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, and I was like, Oh, but I don't know how I'm going to be able to like do groceries this week. I was like, Oh, yeah. that's kind of scary. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was in that sort of reckless, reckless mm-hmm. period yeah. of like, that was my version of like young adult <laughs> experimentation. <laughs> I was like, wonder if I could give more. So yeah. I gave it away. So I gave it all away and I was like, okay, God, I'm trusting that you're going to come through for oh me. And then like literally that day or the next morning, I got yeah. a call from someone saying, Hey, we just had this big event at church and Whoa. we've got like, like 14 Tupperwares full of chili. Could you use wow. that? And I was like, oh, yes, I could. And I, so I ate chili. I ate, I ate like a King for, for days. Wow. So, uh, anyway, that, that is a, it's like a a small example, but it's like, it it gets to that idea of like, do we, are we willing to try it out? Mm -hmm. Are we going to test God in that? I'm using, I'm using the, the Malachi Mm -hmm. three passage where he's like, test me in this, Mm -hmm. try it, try it and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. So there's a little spoiler for next week. That's where we're headed. Okay. So I have a, uh, where are we? I have a couple more questions, but maybe I'll save it for future shows, but you touched on it, Marin, when it's like, there's baggage that comes with Mm -hmm. this for people that give to church. If one of the calls to action is give to your church, what do you guys think the church's obligation is to the people who do give? Is there one, or is it just like give to your church because that's what we're called to do? Does the church have an obligation to use that money? What Mm. fill in the blank? Absolutely. Well, I mean, at the 
base level, we have an obligation to be good stewards of the money that we're entrusted with. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's one of the things that really attracted my husband and I to Grace Church when we first came here from our rather unconventional <laughs> lives in Chicago. Um, yeah. I say unconventional. Like we, when I first moved here, everybody just assumed I came from like Willow Creek or something yeah. that couldn't be further from the truth. My husband and I were very like <laughs> involved in like actual yeah. street level ministry in yeah. the city. Yeah. We live very gritty lives. And so coming here to a church the size of an airport was almost like, Oh, I don't know if we could do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is not us, you know, but I, I, I remember the very first visit I ever made here and I saw the green bags in the lobby. Yeah. I didn't even get a tour of the care center. I don't think at, at that point, I just saw the green bags in the lobby and thought, wow, this is a church that clearly has resources but maybe it's more about what they're doing with their resources mm. than the fact that they have resources. Yeah. You know, I think growing up the way that I did it, it, as mega churches kind of were on the rise when I was growing yeah. up. Oh my goodness. I know I met them with skepticism yeah. and cynicism. And so, yeah, it was a big, it was a big leap for us to even come to a church of this size in yeah. such an affluent, you know, relatively affluent region of the country but we just kept seeing what this church did with its resources and the way that it reached its community mm -hmm. and its world. And the longer I've been here, the more I realize how far reaching that goes mm -hmm. and um, the lengths that this church has always gone to, to be sure that they steward those resources mm -hmm. well. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. And I also think that, I don't know that putting it in, in a, in the sense of like, do we owe you something? Cause you gave money to grace. I don't know that that's the right way to think of it, but what I think of it is when you give to grace implicit in that gift is, is an agreement, a covenant even between grace churches, staff and leadership, uh, and our, the ministries that we have that we will pour ourselves out for the things that we say we'll pour ourselves out for. Mm -hmm. Like when you give to grace, you know, I, Barry, am going to spend like inordinate amounts of my energy and time and life pouring over scripture so that I can yeah. help the people of grace grow. Mm -hmm. You know, when you give to grace that you're going to be helping Marin pour, spend hours and hours recording, you know, parts vocals. that people will forget. Well, no, that they'll <laughs> learn so that you giver of grace can have a profound yeah. encounter with God on Christmas Eve like yeah. that. And that's just us in the room and Tyler, whatever Tyler works on. I don't know. <laughs> Just trust me, everybody. I'm just, just trust me. No. If you, yeah, it, it, and, and it goes all the way down the line. It goes to all of our ministries, all the yeah. work that we do. We, you know, we will dedicate ourselves and our ministries will, and our volunteers will dedicate yeah. themselves to serving you and your family and, and your children. And we'll walk with you and we'll, we'll keep a care center going so that you can have your needs met if that yeah. happens, if, if that's necessary. And so, it's, it's I think not that, like a, it's not like I owe, we owe you because you gave. And so here's what you're, you're getting for your money. I think that's, that's what I meant though. Yeah. I think I was trying to lead you guys mm. to that by saying like some people give and they're like, I'll give you money, but only if you spend it the way I want you to spend it. Mm. Right. So you would owe them something right. different than I'll give you money and trust you that you're going to do, be responsible or yeah. use it wisely or steward it. We owe the people who give out of abundance right. the commitment to steward it well. Right. And, yeah. and I mean, what, one of the things that makes grace unique uh, as far as churches go is we are congregational led, which means yeah. our members vote. Our members have a say in who leads this church. They are the ones who select and recommend our elders. So our yeah. elders who are my boss, I mean, they are the ones that ultimately oversee and approve the budget. And so it's like, and that we have a volunteer financial oversight team. It's not like it's you give us money and then, you know, Barry and the lead team get, get off together and decide how we're going to spend it. It's like a huge yeah. communal process mm -hmm. of deciding yeah. what's valuable. And we, part of the commitment that we make as leaders of this church is like, we want to lead with such humility that we would be willing to alter our ideas, our, our trajectory, whatever. If we're hearing from the people of grace, we would like to do this or that. Like yeah. that's, we pay attention to that because yeah. we're, we're not, we are shepherding 
and, and serving a community. We're not like lording it over right. a community and trying mm-hmm. to establish our vision. We're simply trying to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying through this community yeah. and bring it to fruition in the world. That's why we have those breakout sessions with our core team Absolutely. where they get to speak to each one of us right. and tell us what they like and what right. they want to see more of. And-, yeah. and that's why so many of our ministries, like the care center, like the worship team are that thrive because so much of them of what they've become has happened because of the people themselves have mm-hmm. bought into it. It's their ministry. It's not ours yeah. that they're helping us with. It's their ministry and we're equipping them to do it. Yep. So, all right. I've got a million other questions, but I'll end on this one. Do you feel like what you just said is the difference between giving to a church and giving to another nonprofit? Cause I, as I'm like reading reports and studies done on why people choose to be generous, I read, 90%, 90% of practicing Christians report charitable giving of some kind sure. during the year, 90%, but just over half report giving to their local church. Mm. So in, to, to me, I'm like, okay, that means at least 40% of giving Christians or generous Christians are giving to somewhere other than the yeah. church. Yeah. So can you help, can you help explain the difference between being generous, say to like the humane society sure, and being generous to your church. Right. Uh, first of all, I think it is important to be generous to other organizations. And I, I mean, I'll, I maybe might even talk about this this weekend as well. Like there are plenty of ways to be generous. And, and one of the ways that the local church operates in the world is through not like parachurch organizations, organizations that are not churches, but are Christ followers living out their purpose. So yes, give to other organizations. I think the thing that makes giving to a church different, well, there's, there's two things. One is that it is far more a pooling of resources for a community to do what that community feels called to do. It's not, you're not just giving to some organization to go do work out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. You're, you're pooling your resources with others to do things that you and the, and them would like to do in your community. The second thing, and it's connected is that when you are giving to a church, it, it is, you are in some part funding the work that's going to build into you and your family. Yeah. Like when you give to church, you are, you are investing in the future of your children Mm -hmm. learning about Jesus or about you growing in your walk with Jesus in all the different ways. So you're actually, you're helping to, to, uh, do something that's going to affect you. It's not just putting money into something that will help people out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, to me, that's the difference. Um, But man, if we all just could shift our thinking about giving to church from, I'm going to go give to some worthy causes like the Humane Society, like Mission to Ukraine, Mm -hmm. but uh, that's how I'll consider that my tithing. If we could shift from that to, I'm going to give to some worthy causes and I'm going to pool my resources with the others that are part of my spiritual community. And we are going to change our community together. Yeah. We're going to do both, both. And mm-hmm. if we could look at, look at giving in that way, I think it would really, it would transform our, our spirit of generosity together. Yeah. We just had the privilege of hearing a handful of stories of people who essentially just wrote testimonials about how they've been impacted mm. by grace. And we just talked about it this morning in a different meeting, but one of the things that really stuck out to us was the way that there was a common thread in every story that it wasn't just their involvement on the worship team or just their involvement in student ministries, but they were touched by all these other ministry areas mm-hmm. all over Grace Church. Just one example um, was a, a person from my team, the, the worship team, who talked about coming to Grace Church in a season of total devastation and brokenness, finding healing finding restoration, actually meeting his wife here, and then years down the road, joining the worship team. And then even after that, inviting his dad to a men's Bible study. He has kids now. His kids are going to children's church here, kids ministry. So it's just all of the different ministry areas impacting this one family who is then in turn going out and impacting their community. You know, I I can give to a, a niched organization that might be impacting the the thing that matters to me and I should but there's something about giving to a church to your church to your home church that's impacting your entire community every generation entire families it's just 
it seems like this like 360 like yeah. way of being, way mm-hmm. of giving. Yeah. Um, and we get to see that. So we do try to share these stories on the weekend. We call them giving stories. You mm-hmm. know, we want our people to see this is what you're helping to support. And some yeah. of the stories that we heard this morning, we're going to hear in December. Um, and I hope that you, dear listener, will be as inspired as we have been. But that's why we share these stories with you. Yeah. We, we get to hear all the cool stuff and we want to spread that cool stuff around and let you guys hear the impact you are having in yeah. your own community yeah. through this church. Next time we do a show, I want to talk about the word tithe. Mm-hmm. So somebody that'll re- come up this weekend too. We somebody really, remind we really me. should do a show next week because well, uh, I know we can't, but it'll be a lot to talk about. So somebody remind me because half of practicing Christians don't know what that word means. Yeah. So mm-hmm. tithe just means 10th. It's probably Latin. I don't actually know, but it's, it means 10th. And it yeah. basically the idea of tithing to a church. Oh, we're going to talk about it later. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll just have to wait and see. Friend of yeah, the yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it next time. Um, where we, where do we go next? If we're talking about that yeah. this weekend. So I, we kind of set up the law this week. We're going to talk about the prophets and the prophets were bent, essentially those that were calling Israel to get back on track because they were not living out the vision of the law. They were breaking yeah. the terms of the covenant with God. And so the prophets were saying, guys, you're missing it. Get back in line. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk about how they had, what they had to say about generosity. So cool. All right. So we'll do that. Have a th- happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And we will uh, be back the week after. Um, I don't even know what that is. December 12th or there's no way to know. November 26th, <laughs> 7th. I don't know. Uh, but for this week, Marin. Will you please uh, send us out? Sure. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.